Hey, bra, I've been meaning to ask you, can we get some Red Bull for these things? Sometimes the guy's got to ride the bull. Am I right? That's what she said, episode 29, Dunder Mifflin Infinity. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... That's what she said! Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy Roll around town like a hero I got you on my mind Just like all the time Pedal down, nowhere to go Welcome to episode 29 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your Human Resources Coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the second episode of Season 4, entitled Dunder Mifflin Infinity, which originally aired Thursday, October 4th, 2007. Like sands through the hourglass, these are the days of Dunder Mifflin. And not even Dr. Drake Ramore could sort out the hookups, bombshells, breakups, and catfights in this week's episode. Another prodigal son is back in town, and he comes bearing blackberries, websites, and super sexy man's double. Will Michael learn to accept change? Will Ryan score with Pam? Will Creed ride the bull? Could Phyllis be a bigger bitch? And seriously, where are the turtles? Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos puts me at a disadvantage because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? And supposed to be joining me at the water cooler this week was our receptionist, Melanie Mortensen. Unfortunately, Melanie ran into some computer problems. Uh, IT has been called, and we're going to try to get that virus taken off her computer as soon as possible. In the meantime, our pinch hitter, our expert reliever, our traveling salesman, Kevin Crossman, graciously agreed to come and help me out again on another episode this week. And Kevin, how you doing? Uh, really good. You know, the temp agency has been really in a lot of trouble since Ryan Howard left, so I'm happy to fill in and hopefully do a good job for you guys here. Well, here we are, Dunder Mifflin Infinity, we talked about last week. <laughs> well, first off, Kevin, I want to talk about our predictions last week that we made about the um, secrecy of the relationship. <laughs> Yes. What did we say? We Christmas? <laughs> Spring? <laughs> Oops, second episode. We suck. Um, so, very surprising, obviously, from my point of view, right off the bat here this week. They busted out with, uh, yes, we're dating, everyone knows, and the claws came out. Lots of other stuff. I mean, this is a very plot-heavy episode, very kind of controversial ending, I got to say, looking at the blog postings. A lot of people seem to really dislike this last part of the episode here, but let me just throw it out to you. What did you think of the episode this week? Well, I'll tell you what. Thursday, Kevin thought this was the first part anyway was one of the best episodes ever, but I guess in retrospect, watching it again, it's probably just a merely pretty good average uh, in terms of the whole episode uh, hour. And, you know, I think this is a turning point for the show, and it's interesting you referenced Friends there. Because in later seasons, that show really started to do a lot of self-referential stuff mm-hmm. in terms of the humor and, and things. I'm starting to see that here with The Office. And yeah. a lot of these jokes tonight you would not you would not have gotten from this episode if you hadn't been watching all along. You would have thought, okay, here's this guy, Ryan Howard. He's just this smarmy corporate guy. And it worked at that level. But the fact that he'd grown from this guy that we saw back when 
we were talking about diversity today a few weeks ago. It's just really different, you know? Right. Ryan, uh, back in those first season episodes, he was just basically sitting around, not much of a big player. And you know, that brings up another point, because someone else mentioned this, that we're four seasons into the show now, and they still have not changed the opening in any way. Uh, do you think that's a little weird? Well, they changed the picture of Steve Carell when they, when they list his name uh, about third or fourth episode into the second season so that they wouldn't show his hair plugs uh, from the first season. But other than that, you're right. And I do find it strange. I would have thought, especially this season, that they'd at least give Pam a little bit more of a glammed up shot there, you know, in the credits. Yeah, I'm wondering, I wonder if there's, like, if they fear backlash or if they just figure it doesn't matter. I mean, I guess you look at Greg Daniels and, like, his other show, for example, like King of the Hill, same exact animation opening for 13 seasons, so maybe... I don't know. Maybe they don't think it's necessary. It's probably one of those things where it's in Melora Hardin's contract that if they change the opening in any way, she has to be on the opening credits. And now, <laughs> you know, it's in it's in all the second bit players' contract that they have to be in the opening credits if they ever make a change. <laughs> so they're just going to leave it le- well enough alone, I think. Yeah, I suppose. And that, maybe that clues into one of my theories and what you mentioned last week about Ryan perhaps having a meteoric rise and fall this season uh we'll see i guess whether he'll end up back in the office or not i i I can't imagine again that he would come back to work much like karen you know i can't imagine that ryan after this after being everybody's boss would somehow come back to working as a regular salesperson in the department but suppose stranger things have happened in the world as far as my opinion, I gotta say, I I found myself in kind of a funny position because I didn't I didn't dislike the episode, and that sort of sounds like damning it with faint praise. But um, uh-huh. you know, Mike Schur is one of my favorite writers from last season, and with his name being on this episode, I expected big things. And I think that I mean I en- I enjoyed that first half hour. There was not that many gags, I guess, not very many laugh out loud moments like in the premiere. Uh, but I enjoyed what was going on. It was very plot-heavy, and I intentionally referenced the Days of Our Lives thing because, I mean, this was pure soap, this whole first, like, 20-some minutes of the show. Um, mm-hmm. You know, breakups, like I said, romance, all this other stuff that was going on in there, and it sort of fed into that, you know, all that stuff that we've been talking about over the last season. And I didn't mind it. I kind of, you know, I was interested in that. Even if it wasn't big laughs, it was, it was very interesting to me. Like last week, though, I got to say that the second half of these episodes and these hour-long shows are, they just seem to kind of stretch a little bit thin. I don't know what's going on. Um, a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people on the blog page, comments, very critical of that last, like, 10 minutes. I got to agree um, that it was not my favorite thing. It was not my favorite. I didn't mind the car in the lake. To be quite honest, I didn't get I didn't get lost at that point, but I did I did lose it with when they returned to the lawyer's office and had the breakdown, I guess, over the turtles. Yeah, I think that that's the point where it definitely jumped the shark, so to speak. I agree with you. Uh, the, the the lake thing was I didn't like it at first, but I it did was saved by Steve and Rain's great physical performance getting out of the car. That was pretty entertaining. But yeah, when they went back to that other office and demanded their gift bag back, it just yeah, not that funny and uh, kind of unbelievable, even by office standards. Right, and that was, I guess the biggest thing that really bothered me about this episode at the end is that there was no redemption. Michael had no redemption in this episode. And I, I've maybe last season I sort of talked about, yeah, we see him be successful maybe a little too much, but I wanted to see something here. I mean, he's not a fool. He's not a bad salesman. I wanted him to get some kind of success. 
out of this episode, no matter how small, you know. Um, I kept thinking that maybe Oki was going to go back to the office and the guy was going to be convinced to give him a chance. or so. I don't know what, what I, I – I just expected him to do some kind of – some kind of successful, you know, move to show us his skill. The whole episode yeah. is basically Michael being a fool and Michael just not getting it and Michael being not Yeah, I agree with guy. you. I think you're right. He does need some redemption and damn quick about it, too. Uh, so I'll be looking forward to the next episode. He better get some clients back with those gift baskets. Post-paste. <laughs> Well, I mean, and that's the thing, too, about this, is that the writers, the, the writer had, the, you know, I know it's a, the head writer's not the only person writing the episode, but, you know, the writers had this idea in their head that Michael is, you know, the outdated, the sales techniques are wrong, you know, the old ways are wrong, the new ways are better, the, the new website is better, and they, they really hit us over the head with that, like, both of those sales calls that Michael goes on, the guys, I mean, they really, they say the same thing almost identically, like, oh, yeah, the other company has a website, there comes that moment where Michael actually realizes that it's a useful sales tool and he uses it uh, uh-huh. on the lawyer. And then it's like he blows it. It's like all the stuff that he was, it's almost like he was going to learn something, you know, he was so close <laughs> to learning <laughs> something, but they couldn't let that stand. And ah, man, well, let's go ahead and go get started on this episode here since we have an hour worth of show to get through. Um, First episode, Michael plotline here. Let's talk about this. Like I said, uh, once again, return of Ryan to the office. Hey, Pam. It's great to see you. Is Michael in? Hey, yeah. There he is. There he is. He's back. And he's with a beard. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Sonny Crockett. I'm Tubbs. Fire guy. Ah, stop that. That's <laughs> right. That's oh, right. Fire me. guy. Dude, look at you. You are so mature and old and little man now. You're like our little okay, man. Little old man boy. Michael, everybody. Beard. Um, bearded man boy. Wow. Let me say something. I know I used to be a temp here. But now everything is different. Yeah. I'd like your respect. I am your boss now. You're going to have to treat me the same way you treated Jan. Mm, that's a little kinky. <laughs> I think Ryan has a gay crush on Enough, me. okay? <laughs> this is inappropriate, and it stops right now. Yeah, Ryan snapped at me. But there was this twinkle in his eye that I picked up on, which said, Dude, we're friends. I'm doing this for appearances. I am the big boss now, and I have to seem like an ogre. But you know me. And you trust me, and we like each other, and we'll always be friends. And I would never take you for granted in a million years. And I miss you, man, and I love you. His words. His words, man. Never true. Never truer words have been spoken by a single glance. What did you think about Ryan's coming back here in the office? I thought it was a great way to introduce him with the the BlackBerry and kind of a cocky guy and are you know ready to take charge and kind of put people in their place. I, I think we set things up very well with Ryan in that scene, and of course Michael's reaction not really unexpected. <laughs> yeah, several people have commented on this as well. That I mean Ryan's really setting up to be a really good villain for this season. Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's alienating everyone. He comes walking in, and then, you know, Pam's like, oh, hey, Ryan. He's like, ah, it's... And he sits there and types on his BlackBerry for like a minute and then finishes what he's doing. And then, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, and the stubble and all that other stuff. It's just like this total pompous little guy. And sort of like he, he comes in there and he wants, you know, he demands respect mm-hmm. when he hasn't earned any respect, really, from any of these people. And they they know him, of course, as just the little goofball, the fire, you know, put that cheesy pita in the toaster oven. And uh, they won't let him forget it. But uh, <laughs> he's got that corporate speak, too, the way he says Hello, Pam. How are you? It, it, it's like he's already starting to talk like those guys, right? 
So that was the, an example of where I agree with you. It probably wasn't laugh out loud, but I was smiling the whole time for this first part of this episode. Or I was just, I was like a giddy little schoolgirl watching it unfold. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, he's setting himself up there, very slimy, very nasty little kind of corporate bully sort of guy that uh, is going to try to come in here and, and, and do everything he can. And, and if you remember from some of the other scenes in the episode, I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> Like calling up, he calls up uh, David Wallace to get Kelly fired <laughs> to outsource her job to India. He's definitely not above using his power for evil so far. Um, well, what is he here for, really? I mean, what's his big presentation? Well, let's uh, let's let Ryan explain. Dunder Mifflin Infinity represents a floor-to-ceiling streamlining of our business model. The centerpiece of the campaign is a new business-to-business -business website interface that will allow us to compete directly with big box chains. This is a massive overhaul. We're getting younger, sleeker, and more agile with the way that we adapt to the marketplace. Any questions? What if we don't want to use a BlackBerry because they are stupid and pointless? This is company-wide, Dwight. Got it. Any other questions? Kelly Kapoor. Can we speak privately about our relationship? Thank you, everybody. Kelly is just so desperate and sad in this episode. I don't even really know what to make of that. What was the deal with her outfit? She looked like a two-bit hooker. Well, I think that was the effect that she was going for. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's Ryan coming back today. Yeah, um, compare that to the Kelly we saw in Diversity Day. You remember those oh, demure, boy, those little suits those and blouses? the bun <laughs> tied up? Oh, man. How far we've come with Kelly Kapoor and her insanity. And, I mean, she really goes over the top, too, and we'll get to that in a second with the, <laughs> with her uh, crazy ways in this episode. But, you know, here's our setup then, of course. Like Ryan, last year in his uh, business school presentation, you remember that uh, he had the big speech about how Dunder Mifflin was outdated, how it was going to be out of business in five years. And so here's his big plan, initiative to save the company. So total revamp of the way they do business. You know, nothing's going to stay the same. And i got to say, I would be pretty happy if I got a free BlackBerry at my company. Yeah, but if you were Phyllis or Stanley and you were really <laughs> old, would you would you be happy? That's the problem, Well, right? I know. That is the problem. And I, I'm, I'm just a few years under that 40-year-old cutoff. It's kind of sad to think that I'm, all, <laughs> I'm only four years away from being an old guy like Michael Scott. That's kind of sad. Uh, you should be <laughs> counting all of those days and, and savoring them, my friend. Ow. Let me just tell you that. I know. Well, I'm stocking up on the ink cartridges, I just got to tell you. Um, you know, the funny thing is, again, about the BlackBerry G, who do you think is a sponsor of the episode this week? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, that's, but, that, but, but that's, but, you know, everyone, you know, wants a BlackBerry. I mean, that's, uh. that's, a, that's a, a symbol of the new technology that, of course, they're expounding on in this Dunder Mifflin Infinity campaign. And I just love the way that that whole speech was delivered. I, again, I just love that whole part of it. All corporate double talk. Speaking of that last little cliffhanger there where Kelly asks Ryan, for a moment, well, they corner, you know, she corners him in the back room and drops the atomic bomb. Kelly, I'm your boss now, okay? You can't keep talking to me like I'm your boyfriend. Oh, big, strong man, fancy, new, whatever. I don't think you ever cared about me. I never cared about you? Six months ago, Karen Filippelli sent me an email, asked me out. I said no because I was committed to our relationship. Well, I hope you're still committed because I'm pregnant. And guess what, buddy? I am keeping it. Do you feel prepared to help me raise a baby? I can't, I can't talk about this right now, okay? After work, we'll go out to dinner. We'll talk about it then, okay? We have a date! So, again, Ryan lying bastard. As we all know, Karen Filippelli, of course, did not 
send him an email. Ryan sent her an email. Actually, she shot him down. Um, I believe that was when they were sitting in the bathroom, wasn't it? When they were chilling out in the women's bathroom. Yes. Jim, Jim brought that up. And, yeah, uh, and, you know, it's it's no surprise that he's going to try to pull that. He's wheeling and dealing all the time. Thought he could get one over on Kelly, but she had a bigger <laughs> bluff, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. You know what, though? I, at this point, it's almost like uh, that's going way too far. I just don't know what else to say about that. I mean, as bad as, as much of an ass as Ryan is and as, as quickly as he dumped her, I, I have no sympathy for Kelly <laughs> in that let's scene. Let's be clear, ladies. That is never a good move. <laughs> yeah, not not really not, a good foundation for the relationship. Not cool. That is for sure. And that, that, it's pretty, you know, it's a visual joke, but it was kind of funny where she says, I'm pregnant, and they show her wagging her head, you know, in the in the talking head segment. She's, like, shaking her head no and flips her <laughs> yeah. back to it again. Um, but Ryan obviously shaken up, and uh, he's bought it hook, line, and sinkers. You know, I, I want to bring this up as well because, you know, I – I mentioned these before, and people know from last season that Ian and I constantly were debating about whether Creed was being overused in season three, and he's had a pretty big part in all the episodes of season four now as well, but I gotta say, I don't know what it is, maybe he's growing on me, but I just thought, he, I found him hilarious in this episode, from the hair to the, you know, like the youth speak there we played at the beginning, to to this moment here where he comes into Michael's office and really lays it on the line. We're screwed. Are you listening to what he's saying? Retraining, new system, youth. I'm telling you, this kid is the Grim Reaper. You deal with this, or you, me, Sammy, Phyllis, the chick hit with the car, we're goners. After the presentation, just wanted to make sure that vis-a-vis -vis me in the office, everything is business as usual. No. We're throwing out the entire playbook. We're starting from scratch. We're implementing a brand new system. Good. So we're on the same page. No, we're not. Michael, I know how much time and manpower are wasted in this branch. This company is getting younger, faster, more efficient. You need to prepare yourself. That was that perfectly told Michael what he needed to know, and he didn't really quite embrace it, I don't think. But um, I, I agree with you. I thought that that Creed scene was excellent, the way he was just busting in there. And he knew exactly what was going on and was looking for Michael for leadership. But well, uh, we'll see what happens later in the episode. As he told us last week, I mean, he is going to be 82 in November, so he's got to watch out for himself, I guess. Um, you know, and that's the funny thing, though, again, with Michael, is that Michael was just giddy as a little boy with a new toy with this Blackberry, right? He he had no fears. He uh, wasn't feeling bad about this really at all until Creed came in there and and told him, you know, hey, you're one of the old guys. And he's like, I'm not old. Oh, well, you're over 40. You're one of the That's old guys. <laughs> and suddenly the that Michael, the you know, Michael had those uh, deer eyes in the headlights look uh, again. And that's when he starts to start to freak out, starts to wonder now about what's going on. Wants those reassurances, you know, business as usual. Well, you know what? One of the more interesting things, actually, Kevin, I think that comes up then is the really the meeting of the old versus the new here, Jan versus Ryan in the office. And I got to say, Melora Harden 
as much as I like to see her tarted up on the cover of Entertainment Weekly, uh, she was, again, looking very attractive with the no makeup and just the hair pulled back. I mean, Jan... Jan's working it here in Scranton. I think I agree. Maybe Scranton is uh, is good for her. Well, you know, Matt, I love Melora Harden, and I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I thought she was excellent in this episode, and the old spark in Jan's eye is back, and I'm loving it. Right, and I'm hoping that um, that her dealing with Ryan in this way is going to kind of light that fire maybe under uh, get her back to corporate, uh, work some kind of magic, or at least maybe help Michael work the system like she does here in this episode. Hey, Jan. Ryan. So, elephant in the room, I have your old job. Well, not exactly my job. I mean, I had a different title. Oh, well, excuse me. Same office, same responsibilities. <laughs> different <so>. salary. <laughs> You'll get there. Don't worry. Well, you look great. Thank you. Scranton suits you. Best decision I ever made. You were let go. You know, I love the beard. Keep it forever. I like that uh, that edge there. Well, and she won the war. You know, they were going back and forth, but she got the last word. You know, keep it forever. <laughs> and the little touch there, I thought that was great. Right, and didn't he, didn't he then, like, kind of feel his face after she did that? Yeah, so he, maybe he was... <laughs> It's Jeff Renee Ken on that one, I think. Doubting the stubble, perhaps, there, Ryan. Um, and that's the other thing. Someone brought up on the blog page that uh, here's another example of Ryan uh, as a boss, as a bad boss, that uh, if you remember from last season from the job, somebody like David Wallace, more of a much classier guy, he lets Michael do that whole thing about withdrawing his application, even after he's been told he doesn't get the job. And he just really kind of plays it out like very, very nicely and just says, okay, I accept. Here we have Ryan, you know, just the total opposite, you know. You were you didn't make that choice. You were let go. He couldn't give her one little <laughs> bit of anything. Exactly. You know, to, to hold on to. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, man, definitely, like I said, the writers are working overtime making Ryan into a major, major dick, and uh, hopefully we'll see how that plays out further in the season. But like I mentioned before here, now Jan, while she's not working in the office, definitely can uh, – be one of Michael's many weapons against Corp. So what's Ryan doing here? Oh, I don't know. They're launching a big new business plan, new website, blah, blah, blah. He's being a real twerp about it, Joe. It's all about trying to squeeze out the older people. He's such a snake. Well. I think it's hit with an ageism suit. What is that word? You know, the companies, they can't discriminate against people due to old age. Like, a couple years ago, we tried to force out some of the older branch managers with a mandatory retirement age, and then Ed Truck, your old boss, threatened us with a lawsuit, so we had to back off. So older people have just as many rights as younger people? Yes, Michael. And you wonder, I mean, do you think there's going to be a point where Jan's going to just really get fed up with Michael? And is that going to be part of her redemption, perhaps, later in the season? I think that's a good theory, although it is kind of ridiculous that Michael would have never heard the word and never heard his old... Uh, mentor Ed Truck say anything about it back when? I suppose. Well, you know, but, Ed was the old school boss. He didn't talk to the employees, didn't really make friends with them. So. Oh, that's true, yeah. So who knows? Um, one of the things that's kind of funny, though, and this really goes back to the deleted scenes from Fun Run. I don't know if you caught the third scene. We didn't play it last week, but um, there's a scene where Oscar says, like, when he's talking about religion, Oscar says that he's a secular humanist, and, and Michael mocks him for that he's like oh secular humanist and he says you don't even know what that means do you and then michael like gives him the exact perfect definition of what a secular humanist is 
and everyone's baffled. I, I thought that was a great deleted scene. They should have kept that one in there. All that stuff that they cut, man, they should have kept in there last week. I don't know what was going on. But again, so Michael, I guess sometimes he can be surprisingly smart, other times maddeningly dense. But again, then Jan plants that idea in Michael's mind that he's going to fight back against the Blackberries, against the website, with an ageism suit. And so, of course, this leads into yet another Michael Scott conference room presentation. Well, there has been a lot of talk about new ideas today. Well, new ideas are fine, but they are also illegal because they are a form of ageism. Did you know that the Age Discrimination and Employment Act of 1967 prohibits employment discrimination based on age with respect to employees 40 years of age or older? Well, technically he's right. Hey, shut up, Toby. Look, why do we as a society hate old people so much? Because they're lame. No! Creed! No, they <laughs> are not! In fact, many cultures revere old people because of their storytelling ability like the old lady from Titanic, or the funny things that they can do, like where's the beef? Bruh, I gotta say, that was a, that was a hilarious line, because they're lame. <laughs> and this is, of course, after he comes in with his ink-dyed hair and gives his big speech about he's, you know, 30. Well, he's almost going to be 30 pretty soon. Um, <laughs> he's embracing his young age, you know, exactly. fighting, fighting authority. And Michael's even falling for it. <laughs> no, Creed, you're wrong. <laughs> I also love in that clip there where even though even when Flenderson backs him up, he still tells him to get lost, tells him to shut up. I don't want your help, even if I agree with you. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. It's kind of funny in there because there's a scene where Michael says to Ryan, like, you sit down with the rest of the people or something like that, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. But if you watch the deleted scenes, there's, a, there's an earlier scene during the um, DMI presentation where Ryan says that exact same thing to Michael tells him to uh, to go sit down with the rest of the people in there. So that was kind of Michael's little smarmy uh, way back, I guess, against Ryan here, trying to exert the little power that he has left. And again, for, I guess for those people maintaining the Wikipedia page, here's some more information when Michael brings in yet another surprise guest. Who is this old fart? Did you just stagger off the street out of a box or something? Who is this worthless bag of bones? Well... This guy is none other than one of the founders of Dunder Mifflin, Mr. Robert Dunder. Bob, how old are you? I'm 87. 87 years young and still active. I'm going to live for a very long time. My grandma Schrute lived to be 101. My grandpa Mannheim is 103 and still puttering around down in Argentina. I tried to go visit him once, but my travel visa was protested by the Shoah Foundation. So is that, I mean, is that like a little too over the top? They've been hinting at Grandpa Mannheim, the Nazi, since season three. I would say it's not quite over the top, because you you do have to know kind of the Argentina connection and the Shoah Foundation and all that. I, I think it was subtle enough, uh, but while still maybe filling out the backstory a little bit more fully for us uh, office fanatics. So I thought, I like that a lot. I thought that, that bringing in uh, the founder of the company was such a brilliant move, and Ryan was just floor that he knew he had just been, uh, again, one, as usurped by uh, one of his adversaries, but uh, right. although it didn't really work out there with the whole presentation by Ryan Forward-Gender, but nonetheless, uh, I thought it was a good play by Michael Scott. Well, you're right, and he, I mean, he used that, too. To, he stuck it to Ryan. When Ryan tried to shut it down, he's like, 
you know, oh, I guess I'll just call up David Wallace and tell him that you're throwing one of the company founders out on his ass. Shut Ryan up again. So, you know, another zing. <laughs> another score on Ryan, I guess, putting him down. I think that was his sole purpose to have uh, Mr. Dunder come in there. And, of course, we know that uh, that his partner Mifflin, as we found out in uh, the initiation last season, committed suicide. And, you know, what? That, that, though, really sets the stage I guess for the second episode because Michael now he's on the defensive he's looking out for this he feels like he's going to get squeezed out he feels like his skills aren't going to be able to be used he doesn't know these new systems like I said here is the end then at the end at the end of the day Michael pretty much throws down the gauntlet to Ryan and his newfangled ways well today was a fantastic waste of time I disagree I think it was very valuable Michael Technology helps business, okay? You should not resist it. This is the way the world is moving. I happen to think that the old ways of doing business are better, and I can prove it. Okay. I look forward to hearing your ideas. Like I said, I I guess I was expecting that. I was expecting some kind of John Henry-esque Michael somehow is going to show himself up, like I talked about before. He's going to somehow pull this out in some way, you know? Um, the old ways are better. You remember from business school last season, that was the whole point of that episode, where, where Ryan was the smarmy little snot with the newfangled techniques, and, and Michael just kind of told him, you know, business is about people, and, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, you don't know anything about business. And he was right back then, and it's kind of weird now, all of a sudden, a couple episodes later, that he's totally, I guess, totally wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the, the, that was a way to set up the second part with the baskets, but... Uh, I agree with you. It would have been nice to have a little bit more uh, Michael kind of closing the deal, so to speak, on uh, competence. Well, like I said earlier, Kevin, this is where we really, really blew it in our analysis for this week, ep- this week's episode with our prediction of how the secret rela- relationship was going to go down. And just right off the top in the cold open, uh, <laughs> didn't even go 62 minutes before they told us. Hey, Toby. What's this? Huh. I just want to remind everyone about the company rules involving PDA. Yes, uh, some people in the office have complained. This is about me and Jan in my office, because I will have you know that that was consensual. What we did has nothing to do with you or anyone here. I don't think, I, I don't think anyone heard anything. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think it's any of your business. So what I think you should do is roll up the memo real tight. Okay, hey, look, the memo was not about you. All right, the complaint was about Jim and Pam. No way. You guys are together? Yes, we are. Whoa! Wow! Tuna! Awesome! I knew it. To the two of you. Yes! Yeah, Toby, was this your fun little way of congratulating us? Yeah. Everyone, this is a day that will live in infamy because today is the day that Jim and Pam become one. Let the bells of Dunder Mifflin chime out your love. Because this is really good. My heart soars with the eagle's nest. I don't see it. I think they both could do better. It's not a surprise to me. Pam is the office mattress. Ouch. I, when I heard that the first time when the show was playing on Thursday, God, that is, that's about the harshest thing I think I've ever heard. Well, you know, Angela's not really one to talk, is she? Well, I guess, I mean, yeah, I guess not. Pamela slept with two guys from the office, and she slept with one. I mean, it's not exactly a big difference. I don't know. 
but I, I thought the whole the whole setup there, and you know, you know, I've been on record that I'm not a fan of Toby, and any joke at his expense is you know perfect for me. And I the, the joke where Pam says, you know, is this your way of telling us? And they cut right to him, and you just know that he's dying inside. Um, he's got to say yes, you know, he's meaning no. Well, that's the thing. I mean, let's talk about that because it was. I couldn't play it in the clip because it was mostly visual, but and the whole thing starts off with, with uh, Pam giving Jim a little peck on the cheek in the break room and pans over, of course, to Toby watching. And then the next thing you know, of course, there's a memo circulating around the office. Last season, you know, they really kind of toyed with that idea that Toby was trying to hit on Pam, but it didn't really ever go anywhere. And so I guess we're s- still seeing those lingering kind of pathetic effects. Uh, I mean, did you buy that, though, that she would think that it was some little way of congratulating them? I would just, my initial reaction would be, uh, okay, yeah, what are you doing? This is kind of a real dickish move here, Toby. Well, yeah, no, I think that she bought it because I think that she's so in love. And why why would anyone, especially someone as nice as Toby, uh, be against her love with Jim? And uh, Toby, he hasn't made a move. It's his own fault. Right, and she's you know? been so oblivious to his pathetic attempts at uh at dating her that <laughs> I don't know. I gotta just remember that from from last season, all that stuff. Trying to impress her with his running and uh and then you know, he's like gonna cancel going to his daughter's play so that he could go to her art show. Oh poor poor Flenderson, but yeah, definitely a big big rub in the face for him there. You know the thing is I, I, I like that though. I like that opening scene, that cold open with all everyone was just very happy, you know, everyone seemed pretty happy. Uh, for them, even Andy, you know, big hey tuna in the background. Uh, everybody just seemed very happy. And Michael, you know, again, got a little dusty in the office there. Exactly. Like I said earlier, I was giddy like a scroll girl at the beginning of this episode, and that was a big part of it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think that played out really well. Now, unfortunately, a lot of that unraveled in the next couple of scenes. But uh, but still, uh, Dwight's line, that was pretty funny. And, of course, Angela's line, God damn, that was harsh. Well, Speaking of harsh, though, let's go into this next scene here with with my friend Phyllis. Now, Jim and Pam are in the break room just kind of having their usual little goofy lunch. I swore I wouldn't tell anybody this, but Dwight and Angela dating have been for six months. No, they have been dating for like two years. You knew. You didn't say anything? You didn't say anything to me. Wow. We should have started dating like a long time ago. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know you guys were in here. Oh, no, we're just sitting here. I couldn't see your hands. Um, hey, Pam, by the way, it's great that you're dating, but when a new client calls, you just have to randomly assign them to a salesperson. You can't base who gets new clients on who you're sleeping with that week. And that is why we waited so long to tell people. And again, ouch. <laughs> Boy, Phyllis, she's got a dark side. Uh, I don't know about this new uh, marriage to Bob Vance from Vance Refrigeration because I think she's gone for, you know, some dark places here. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I wonder, like, maybe there's some truth to that rumor. Who knows? Maybe she has been cherry-picking the sales for Jim, but uh, uh, it was still pretty harsh. And it was the way that she said it, too, the person you're sleeping with this week. Again, what is the deal <laughs> with, with all these jealous women in the office thinking, you know, she's like the, the town mattress? I, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she was, she was with Roy for five years, right? Nine years, actually. 
Oh, that's right. Since high school. So mm-hmm. she she couldn't have been sleeping with anybody else. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just Phyllis is just having some low sales numbers and taking it out on, on Pam there. I don't know. But, you know, she seems so happy. She was happy for them in season two, like when she came and talked to her and thought that uh, she and Jim were messing around. Seemed like she's really happy for them to get together, but I guess the claws come out there when the the leads, you know, some Glenn Gary Glenn Ross thing going on there. Anyway, maybe this is her way of reacting to the, the you know the the windstorm of Ryan coming in and uh, demanding younger, more efficient people. Do you think that that line of his in there about wow we should have dated a long time ago? Do you think that's again a self conscious reference back to the fans? No, I just think that's a natural thing that you would say when you're sharing gossip like that and you knew that one person had it for longer than you. Well, I can just imagine... I don't don't, don't buy that to the fans at all. No, I imagine everyone sitting there going, yes, you should have, of course you should have, you dumbass. Well, we were saying that, but I don't know if it's a nod to the fans. (laughs) All right, well, we'll agree to disagree, I guess, on that one. But that, like I said before, here's our, uh, our relationship on the rise, and then in this episode also we have our other relationship here gets the needle. And, you know, Dwight, after last week, after trying to... You know, after euthanizing Sprinkles, after trying to get Angela back, tries one more grand gesture. What do you want? To give you this. What is that? It's a feral barn cat. I trapped him last night, and I'm giving him to you as a replacement cat for the one I destroyed. Her name was Sprinkles. And his name is Garbage. Mose calls him Garbage because he likes to eat garbage. Don't you garbage. I can't believe you just thought you could replace Sprinkles. Garbage can be very helpful. Okay, he's a useful cat. He killed an entire family of raccoons. Look at him. I don't want garbage. I want Sprinkles. I think Meredith maybe uh, would be better off taking home garbage since she seems to get bitten by raccoons and, and rats and bats and things around the house. So maybe maybe that could work. Indeed. But how could a man, again, look look how cute he was there with garbage, you know? It's like, nom, 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 nom. How could such a man be a cold-hearted killer? I just have no idea. In any case, I thought that he hadn't learned a thing <laughs> last week. And, again, not providing Angela with the motivation and uh, things that she wants out of life. It's more of his sort of get-out-of-jail-free card by, oh, right. a cat. Well, he doesn't no, understand it. It doesn't work that way. Like you said, I mean, for him... Yeah, I mean, feral barn cats. I mean, he, I don't think he has a pet or doesn't understand the point of a pet. Last week, he made it clear that for him, uh, an animal has to be useful to be existing on the fruit farm. So garbage is useful. Garbage hunts and kills stray raccoons. So there you go. He failed to see the point, though, that Angela is missing her pet cat, not just any old raggedy, nasty-looking cat. Uh, <laughs> Very nasty. And I, did you buy that, that he just lets it go in the other office? Yeah, I would buy that, actually. <laughs> I think, you know, he's like, well, your use is done. You D- be dumps free. it off. Oh, Dwight, what am I going to do with Someone you? might want it. Well, and then this is the thing, again, for the rest of the episode, we have Dwight just trying to get back with Angela. Angela's trying to decide what to do. And it all culminates in this. Hello, Dwight. I've been thinking about things, and I wanted to know if you would have dinner with me tonight. Really? Yes. See you after work. Are you enjoying your mineral water? I can't do this. I can't be with you. Every time I look in your eyes, I see sprinkled, stiff, lifeless bodies. Then don't look in my eyes. Look right here. It's an old sales trick. I'm sorry. I gave this everything I could. No, please don't do this, monkey. 
I will leave your toothbrush on top of your tire tomorrow morning. You know, I got to say that's like the most scintillating dinner conversation I've ever heard. <laughs> I can only imagine if all of their meals are like that. I mean, oh my goodness, are you enjoying that mineral yeah. water? Maybe uh, that filming outside the office isn't such a bad thing after all. I would say that uh, it's about time Angela dumped White, and uh, you know, I hope that he is lonely for a long time for his sins of uh, <laughs> killing Sprinkles. So, well, he I def- think that this will be interesting for the show too. You know, because uh, who knows? Who might be able to swoop in and uh, woo the uh, lady from accounting? Yeah, like I said, I think Andy Andy's going to set his sights on Angela, I'm, I'm predicting, I guess. So we'll see see if anything comes of that. But, I mean, Dwight did spend the rest of this episode in, in quite severe torment. Uh, well-deserved, perhaps, but still. Hasn't he suffered enough, Kevin? Nope. Not yet. <laughs> All right. All right, well, that pretty much does it for our first episode now here. Let's go into the second half. And, well, let's start it off again with uh, Dwight and Angela uh, because it really sort of plays into why Dwight does the things that he does in the second uh, second half here. Um, Dwight's still moping around since the breakup the other day. And how much, well, let me ask you this. How much time do you think has passed between these two episodes? I think it's the next day. All right, because it seems like, it doesn't seem right to me the way that it's set up because... Michael seems surprised to see Ryan in the office again, which, I don't know, maybe he was only supposed to be there for one day, but in any case, all right, let's just assume it's the next day, and Dwight is, again, still trying to win back Angela, but she's having none of it. Excuse me, Angela. Michael asked me to turn in these receipts for these gift basket items. Thank you. You're welcome. Is that all? Yes. I'm busy. Elevators. Dwight, you have to listen to me. We are not seeing each other anymore. Can you accept that? Fine. Then I just want to be friends. Good. Plus a little extra. Also, I love you. Can't blame a man for trying, I guess. As uh, at all, I guess. Right. As Cinderella once said, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And uh, <laughs> now Dwight is feeling the pinch, feeling that heartache where he'd never had heartache before. And unfortunately, I don't know. I I really wonder what's going to happen. I mean, they have to, some point they have to get back together, don't they? It would seem that they were kind of made for each other, but I I do like this uh, plot device of breaking them up and uh, maybe doing some different things with the other characters. And I thought Angela Kinsey did a really good job of acting on both of these episodes. Well, you know what? The thing is with that, though, you might be right, because, I mean, let's look at the show so far. The show's, like, devolved down into four couples, really. I mean, let's look at our Entertainment Weekly covers, if you will. Um, I mean, Absolutely. maybe they're thinking that maybe it's time to get away from some of that couple-y, couple-y vibe. So, I don't know. Perhaps maybe they will be broken up. I don't know. That can play out. I definitely can see that. You know, think of Dwight being, like, a little spiteful ass for the rest of the season definitely gives you much more reason to uh to prank and and mess with him well michael still smarting from his last outing yesterday i guess with with ryan um has come up with a new plan to save the company in the last year we have lost seven clients to the big chain these gift baskets are a ticket back into their lives we are going to show up at these businesses unannounced and we are going to win them back. With gift baskets. With peanut brittle. Ever since I was a kid, people have been telling me that I can't do things. You can't be on the team. You can't move on to second grade. Well, now they're telling me that I can't win back clients 
using old-fashioned business methods. We'll see about that. And FYI, I eventually ate second grade, and I was the biggest kid in class. I guess there's our moment of redemption right there. <laughs> or maybe it's setting up that, uh, you know, in the next episode when Michael, you know, does a sales call again, he'll make the sale. It's just like he repeated second grade, right? Yeah, that could be the case. I don't know. Another little sad viewing into Michael's childhood. And um, I didn't put this in the clip, but we also get another sad story about how Michael... <laughs> Michael's fake brother who stole all his jeans. Yeah, I don't know what you think. all winter. <laughs> I, you know, again, this is good stuff to give you that backstory and understand what the character uh, came from and why he's like the way he is. Yeah, and after uh, after uh, last season um, and after season two, I mean, we've gotten that in spades. I don't know. I don't know how much more sad Michael's life can get, but uh, there you go. <laughs> Well, he did have a nooner with Jan in his office one time, so, well, you know, it could be all bad. I love that. Just to go back to that for a second, I, I love that line, though, where he says, you should take that memo and roll it up real tight. <laughs> oh, I wish I could have heard the end of that sentence. So there you go. I mean, that's Michael's big idea. He's going to win back the customers with good old-fashioned sales techniques. And i got to say, man, that was a pretty nice little pack of nifty gifties he had there on the table. And uh, I don't know, I might be swayed if I was some office manager, perhaps, that uh, those gourmet pita chips might might have tempted me back. Has someone done an online analysis of, of what the actual cost of one of those gift baskets was? It had to be, <laughs> you know, close to 100 bucks, right? Yeah, I guess you figure, you know, if, if, it, if it's going to work, if it would have been successful, it would have been worth it, I suppose. Um, but that being said, you know, seven seven clients in one year to big chains, that doesn't seem like such a bad deal, you know what I mean? I mean, it doesn't right. seem like their business is falling apart if they lost seven clients throughout the whole year. Right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's that's kind of why that maybe this is coming a little abruptly because, like I said, all last season we got, you know, Michael saved the branch. Michael, um, you know, what did Wallace say to him that he kept up? didn't lose a single customer. Isn't that what he, he said in the merger? And, he cut he cut costs and didn't have to fire anybody. Right. And he didn't lose a customer during the merger and all this other stuff right. and, and he was you know, he went out in the traveling salesman episode and, and really, you know, showed how he could sell. Well, Andy kinda screwed him up there, but still we saw that that stuff still worked and, and those old techniques like Phyllis, you know, getting all dolled up and going into the guy's office, that that worked and all these other kind of old sales techniques really did pay off. And now now all of a sudden we're being told that they don't work anymore. But I guess these guys that left, they don't care about the, the Dunder Mifflin service. That's why they left, right? They want a, they want a website that isn't under construction <laughs> for three or four years. Yeah, you know, that's, that's again, that's an awesome visual joke that we didn't talk about before. Uh, Jim, like, I don't know what you're talking about. We have an awesome website. Yeah, coming soon, Christmas 2002, I think it said. With a with little under construction graphic that's on all the websites. Yeah, oh, a little boy. stick man Santa Claus or something standing there. Uh, I find that hard to believe that that's their corporate website, but still a great, great uh, visual joke there. And Michael, like you said, he's taken this personally now because he's seeing it as him against Ryan, him against the computer, him against technology. And once again, just like the man of La Mancha, he's on a quest. How is giving people gift baskets going to get our clients back? Gift baskets are amazing, Phyllis. Gift baskets are the essence of class and fanciness. They are the ultimate present. What about cash? Cash, you can buy whatever you want, including a gift basket. So it's kind of the best gift ever. What about a gift basket full of cash? Yes! Cash 
basket. Nice work, Tuna. Fine, I'm just gonna go by myself. And I'm going to win them back by myself, because this is important to me. Michael, wait, let me go. I need to win those clients back, please. Fine, then Godspeed to both of us. And not one sign of Dwight's sales skill exhibited in this episode. I don't know what well, happened. He was, he was still reeling from the shock of uh, getting dumped. That's that's why. He was trying right. too hard. I, yeah, I guess that's true. And that's, like I said, I played that clip at the beginning because that really does set up Dwight's motivation here to act the way that he does. That he's he's out to prove something. He's got to try to get these clients back and perhaps through that somehow he thinks he can get Angela back. Uh, who knows? My, now, Michael's motivations I think are a little more nebulous than Dwight's. I suppose he's motivated more just by fear, kind of that idea that his his all of the things he's done for the last twenty years, all of his sales tricks are no longer effective, that no one cares and you know, I guess he maybe he's fearing for his job as well. Well yeah, and I think he's probably trying to uh win back the hearts of the people in his office. You know, the the, the new boss has given them blackberries. Ooh, it's all cool and exciting, and he wants to come up with a great idea that's going to make everyone <laughs> like him again. Right. So it's a typical Michael Scott uh, approach. <laughs> well, not quite, but, uh, well, here's one, another plot point. I want to play this clip because this does also tie in later on with the episode, is that as we're going along here, Michael, despite his old-fashioned methods, he is still open to new experiences. So who's next? Larry Myers left us six months ago for Office Depot. Proceed to the highlighted route. Then route guidance will begin. When he used that thing, lets them know where you are at all times. Ooh. The government, spy satellites, private detectives, ex-girlfriends. <laughs> Michael, again, despite Dwight's pathetic... <laughs> I don't know, it's kind of a poignant mix of paranoia and just utter <laughs> sadness there in his talk about the GPS. But, you know, Michael, part of this episode here where they're driving around is Michael learns to love and trust the GPS. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful piece of technology. Um, I do have a question here, though, for you, Kevin, because somebody in our blog page brought up the notion that... Um, Dwight cries just like Chewbacca. So I was wondering, uh, let's have a little side-by-side -side comparison here. I'm wondering what you think about this. Now, here's Dwight crying. All right, and here's Chewbacca. So again, Dwight. And Chewie. So I don't know any uh, any validity to that statement. Well, you know, I would have said no, but uh, the evidence does not lie. I, I heard it with my own ears. This is the next, I guess, the thing that uh, starts them off and actually starts Michael to sort of open his eyes, like I said, to to think that maybe maybe Ryan is not the incompetent fool that he thinks he is. You know we close our account with you, right? Yes, we do. We're with Office Depot now. Yes, 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 we know, but we just have not gotten over you. Well... I don't think we're coming back. Please come back. Okay, you know what? Just enjoy the gift basket, and remember that we provide a personal touch. Remember what we had, Larry? I mean, really, it's about money. I mean, their website's really easy to use, too. That's a big deal for us. 
How can they not know how much better we are? I don't know. Sometimes people are just impossible and they make you miserable. That is true. Like Angela in accounting. Yes, she is nuts. No, she's wonderful. I just love that. All those little things, Michael has no idea what Dwight's talking about, but he's like, what what do you say? We're not over you, Larry. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and why would Michael even pay attention to what Dwight's saying anyway? He's he's like, well, no. no." (laughs) He's a little shocked by what he's saying there. He's like, you know, we want you back. We need you back, Larry. Such an obvious uh, metaphor here for his relationship. You know, and then their next sales call here, this is what leads into what... uh, Many people think is really the downfall or the really weak part of this episode, but uh, let's just hear how this plays out again. Now, you heard in that last clip, though, with Larry, where all of a sudden he's like, just kind of out of nowhere, talks about how, oh, yeah, well, they have this really great website. Mm-hmm. So here's there's the writers basically hitting us on the head with a giant mallet. Learn about the website. Okay, so they go to the lawyer and very similar conversation. Listen, I don't want to take any more of your time. I know you're a very busy man. The reason we have stopped by is to drop you off this elaborate bag of goodies and to ask you to reconsider. We want you back. Can you offer lower prices? Well, no. No, then we're not coming back. He's not coming back. It's over, Michael. No, it's not. No, he's right. No. Accept it. Why would he come back? Why would he come back? Because we offer a wide selection of products, and because you're definitely not getting the same sort of customer service that you get with us. He's not going to change his mind. He's moving on. We had our chance, and we killed it. We're also coming out with a website. It's a state-of-the-art thing. It's going to cut costs, and it will make ordering much, much easier. Okay. Well, when it's up, I'll check it out, and if it really cuts costs, maybe we'll come back. So despite from, again, Dwight's sort of pathetic... (laughs) A little uh, sad. I, you know, he, he, I guess that's the point where he comes to that realization stage. He gives up. You know, she's not coming back. It actually kind of worked pretty well there for the sales pitch to the good cop, bad cop thing with yeah. Michael there. <laughs> well, they had their chance, and then they killed it. At least the lawyer did give them an opportunity to come back. If they could lower prices with this website, you know, he probably would be inclined to come back with them. And the, the fact that Michael knew all this you know, amazingly detailed personal information about this guy's family, and I think he was impressed by the gift basket. It probably would have worked if the, he comes back in a few weeks when Dunder Mifflin Infinity's up. But uh, yeah, not sadly, when he comes I don't back. think that's going to happen now. <laughs> now he comes back with swamp pants on, and yeah, you know that's the thing though about this this thing. I what was going on in this episode is that you could almost see this that the the last guy mentioned something about the website and then this guy talks about it and then Michael in the dim recesses of his brain realizes that this is a new sales technique that he can use to sell the company and he pulls it out and it works and you think he's going to learn something my god don't you think he's going to learn something at that point I don't know I I was convinced that he was going to realize come back and say wow this is a great idea kind of take credit for it um all this kind of stuff but how little my expectations seem to pay out these days. Well, one last client, and they're 0 for 6, as Dwight informs us. And this, again, this is one of the scenes where a lot of people on the comments really felt like they lost their way with the episode. Through everything I had of that guy, nothing. That's how it goes sometimes, you know. You lose everything, and everything falls apart, and eventually you die and no one remembers you. That is a very good point, Dwight. Make a right turn. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. It means bear right. Make a right Maybe turn. Maybe it's a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's well, a lake there. I think it knows where it's going. Is the the machine knows. This is the lake. Stop yelling at me. No, it's not yelling. There's no lake here. 
Remain calm. I have trained for this. Okay. Exit the window! Here we go. Make a U-turn, if possible. A lot of people thought that that was so ridiculous, so utterly crazy, that there's no way on earth that Michael could be stupid enough to drive into a lake. And I will say that, yeah, he, it was a little slow, <laughs> a little slow pace. He saw perfectly well what was coming up, and it did stretch things a little bit. But, I mean, like I said, you have heard these reports and seen these news stories with people that trust their GPS systems and end up in crazy places. So that wasn't a deal breaker, I guess, for me. <laughs> Dwight's just kind of, you know, screaming and, and Michael's total reliance. Now, now that he sort of thinks that technology is his friend, now that he's kind of got that little nebulous idea in there about how the website is going to save everything, suddenly he puts all of his trust, all of his faith into the GPS and the GPS sadly, lets him down. Well, yeah, it's that old, you know, what are you going to believe? Uh, what I'm telling you or your own plain eyes, right? And it's <laughs> like, well, there's a lake there. Maybe maybe it's not very deep. Yeah, you know, maybe, you can maybe it's a shortcut. That's what's going, <laughs> going through Michael's head. Well, it, you know, it's just standing water. It's not really a lake. And uh, how wrong he was uh, once <laughs> the water started flowing over the uh, the front of the car there. Now, I found it, I did find it, I gotta say, I know you said you liked it, but I found it a little ridiculous the way that Dwight was flailing around. I mean, they were in like three feet of water, for God's sake. It was a little, well, he was a little panicking. Much. I suppose. Yeah, you know, he said, he, he said he'd prepared for it, so he should have been ready, you know, but um, I also mentioned that, I also noticed on the, our blog page that someone said that, oh, Michael and Dwight, they just didn't uh, do anything for the cameraman, but that's actually not true. If you watch that scene, Michael purposely opens the back door and lets the cameraman get out. So he does look out for the cameraman. Unfortunately, the gift basket is a total disaster. And uh, <laughs> was there a sadder sight than when they pull that, like pull the car out of the lake and the, open the door and all the turtles and everything like <laughs> splooges out into the, <laughs> into the lake? <laughs> well, as they're standing there, and Michael is, you know, Michael and Dwight are drenched and the car is being towed away. And, and they're just sitting there wondering what to do. Michael really decides that time, the time has come that he must take a stand. These people just don't realize what a gift basket means. They don't get it. What about that last guy, Aaron? Why is he a jerk? I don't even know if I want it. Their website is so easy. Yeah, well, you can have your technology jackass. Look where it got us. You know what we're going to do? We're walking back to that office, and we are going to reclaim our gift basket. Yes. We're going to take what's rightfully ours. We're going to take a stand, Dwight. We're going to take a stand. Take a stand. We kind of talked about this before here, but um, what do you think Michael's motivation is for acting so crazy with this scene here? I mean, what is he trying to take a stand against? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's... He's just had it up to here with the technology and realizes he just wants some chocolate at the end of the day, and he, that's the only way he can get it. I don't know. <laughs> Needs it doesn't that, make much sense. He wants those turtles. He definitely has some kind of weird attraction for the turtles. Um, well, I mean, everybody loves turtles, right, but still. Uh, you know, I guess, like I said, maybe just so frustrated with his way, the fact that he thought he was going to save the day, and it turned out that no one cared. Starts to trust that technology, and then technology leads him astray. Maybe he's just fed up. You know, if you don't appreciate my great golden salesman techniques, then screw you. You don't get the raspberry jam. This leads again to right now, this is the one scene that really lost me. And I know that some people thought this was hilarious. 
I, 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 I don't know. I can't even explain it, man. It's just way too over the top for me. Uh-huh. What happened to you guys? Give it back. The gift basket. Give it back. What is this? It's real simple. If you don't appreciate what we do, then give us back our basket. All right, here you go. Take it back. It's been opened. Yeah, it was mine. What's missing? The turtle. Where are the Number turtles? Six. Where are the turtles? Come on, guys. Get out of here. Where are the turtles? You don't pay. Where are they? Excuse me, I have an announcement to make. We seem to be missing a box of chocolate turtles with pecans, and we will not be leaving the premises until we obtain them. Hand over the turtles now. I ate them, okay? I ate the turtles. They're gone. I don't know, man. What the hell? What? <laughs> I guess it's funny to hear Michael go nuts and yell out, where are the turtles? I mean, I got to admit that I, I laugh at that for some reason, but it just, I guess, like I said, I was so disappointed. I wanted some kind of redemption here at the end, and that was the exact total opposite of redemption. No, especially after they started rubbing themselves all over those plush leather <laughs> couches too right and uh, that was funny but i agree with you i would have rather seen some redemption in a maybe a humorous way oh man well i guess we can only hope that uh if michael does fully embrace the dunder mifflin infinity website that uh maybe he can bring back uh his old magic or something i don't know the last scene michael though still you know he comes back to the office and uh just tells everyone why he's still better and why his old ways are still better than the new ways. Ryan thinks that technology is the answer. Well, guess what? I just drove my car into a lake. You did what? I drove my car into a lake. A machine told me to drive into a lake, and I did it because I trusted Ryan's precious technology. Did you get any clients back? Maybe. Maybe not. Time will tell. But I will tell you one thing, those gift baskets never endangered anybody's lives. Game, set, match, point. Scott, game over. End of game. I guess there's logic is irrefutable. Well, you know, you should eat too many turtles at the same time it could, I suppose. But, <laughs> yeah, the general rule, pretty safe. So I guess as Michael is wont to do, he takes the most ridiculous uh, failure and somehow manipulates it in his mind to a victory for himself and... Maybe that's his redemption. I don't know, but uh, it definitely left me a little unsatisfied, I got to say. That's what she said. (laughs) Zing. Man, did you write that down? (laughs) (laughs) And he forgot to talk about that again. There was a little clip from earlier when he's uh, coming into the party and talks about the, oh, that needs to be straighter. That's what she said. And what was the other one? He said, uh, you got to put your mouth on that or something. (laughs) How is that going to come up in conversation? Ah, well, he's out there trying. See, that's the thing about Michael. All right, well, there's actually a lot of sort of Jim Pam stuff in this episode, aside from the big reveal at the beginning. Um, We also had this kind of a, I don't know, sort of a weird postmodern-y sort of conversation that took place between Jim and Pam. And I'm wondering, Kevin, again, whether or not this was a reference to the fans. I just have to ask, now that we're public... Is the magic on? It's funny you bring that up because, yes, it is. I knew it. Oh, man. Just like that, huh? I think... Be honest. I now find you repulsive. That's honest. All right. Fair enough. It was really fun while last, though, wasn't it? Yeah. For me, it was. Okay. 
So listening to it there, I mean, you can't really tell, but I mean, obviously after they get done with their little exchange, I mean, Jenna Fisher just has the biggest grin on her face, very adorable. Um, obviously they're playing around, but I mean, do you think that's sort of a self-referential poking fun at uh, all this speculation or is it just, are we making too much out of this? I will say yes. I think it is a nod to the fans. And I think uh, this is a perfect example of where, no, we are not through with this Jim and Pam thing, and now it's only just begun. And I think that now we're going to see a whole new dynamic. And uh, while that scene was not the best scene in terms of how it was put together, I think uh, it is a nod to the fans to show us that we can do some things different with these characters, and uh, let's see what's going to happen. And not blow it like all the other shows have in the past, right? That's right. Okay. You know what the funny thing is about this? I don't know if it's funny or sad or what, but I've actually seen uh, posts and things online of people saying, are they still dating? Oh, jeez. <laughs> How can you? Uh, I don't know. Well, those are the people that thought that Ryan didn't get the job, right? I guess. Oh, he would never get the job. Yeah. <laughs> yes, people. people play, you know, as much as we pay close attention to the show, there's people who pay too close attention, you know what I mean? I suppose, <laughs> yeah. Of course, for the trees, I think, sometimes. <laughs> oh, man. Yes, yes, folks, they are still dating. It was a little game that they are playing, so everything's happy. Now, you know, this is, I guess the... The Jim and Pam plotline in this episode was a little weird to me for one reason, really, because it intertwined uh, Ryan in with Jim and Pam, where I, I, Ryan had never had anything to do with Jim and Pam the last three seasons. I mean, did you find this kind of unnatural, or did this seem natu- perfectly natural to you, the way this played out? Well, we have Fancy New Beasley, who is looking much, much nicer, and Ryan is on the market, and he's looking for something nice. Yeah, and don't and, forget, uh, why Kelly we... said fancy new Ryan, so there you go, fancy new Beasley. Oh, that's true. Maybe maybe your theory's right about that. <laughs> but uh, in any case, you know, he's gonna he's he's like he's gonna put the hots on everybody out there now and see what sticks. So I, why not Pam? Well, I guess, but uh, I don't know. Well, well, we'll come back to that in a second. But I, I found this kind of funny. I I love this scene, and I just find Kevin. Uh, as he's becoming like my favorite character, I think, in season four so far. Jim, how awesome is Ryan now? That whole lifestyle, his whole vibe, you, you find that appealing? He has a killer job. He's rich. He smells like what I think Pierce Brosnan probably smells like. He wears really cool rich guy clothes. And he can get any girl that he wants. So, sorry, Tuna, but if you don't know why that's awesome, then you need awesome lessons. I find it amusing how he's in there dropping down the names. You know, I I ran into Vince Vaughn in the sandwich shop. Living that big New York lifestyle, man. Can't say that I didn't uh, get a little pleasure out of that scene. (laughs) But, you know, I didn't, I think Kevin, he was supposed to be Jim's best friend. Why is he turning his back on Jim all of a sudden? I don't know if I believe, believe that, you know? Well, maybe he feels betrayed that Jim uh, wasn't honest with him about the relationship. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was, they did that funny bit in there, you know, at the beginning, too, where Andy's just like, you know, you're so money and all this stuff back and forth. They're so impressed. And I I don't know why I found that hilarious where, uh, where Kevin is now. He's, like, calling him Tuna. <laughs> aping Andy and all this stuff that he says. So I think he's just the go-along guy. I don't think he's really... Well, no, I should take that back. I was going to say he's not smart enough to be on his own, but he was pretty much on his own last week or uh, for the big investigation of the Jim and Pam That's relationship. Right. So Jim just lays it out there, though. You know, again, I don't know whether he's jealous. Do you think he's a little bit jealous, or do you think he's honestly... He knows what Ryan is doing. He's, he's a fake, and he's not going to 
fall for any of the, the BS. Now, I suppose Jim wasn't quite as enamored with New York as Karen was, definitely. And, you know, now that I think about it, there, you know, there really was no truth to that whole Ryan and Karen hookup thing, and, and Ryan lied about getting this email. But, you know, I guess theoretically now that, that would be one way that he could try to kind of stick it to Jim or something if he showed up at this party or something with her as, as his date. Well, kind of... we still haven't seen we still haven't seen her, so maybe that's the <laughs> way, you know. Yeah, that could be. That'd be kind of interesting, definitely the way this is played out. Well, tying this in then a little bit more, kind of mixing this up further in the in the jam stuff here, we have Ryan making a seemingly selfless offer here to our favorite doodling receptionist. Hey Pam, I haven't settled on a final design logo yet for Dunder Mifflin Infinity, and I know you're into graphic design. Do you want to give it a shot? Uh, totally. Cool. Um, can you do a couple mock-ups and I'll take a look? Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to do some mock-ups and then turn those into thumbnails. Maybe do some uh, splash frames. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm excited. Definitely. I mean, it seemed like a really cool thing, and it's almost like, oh, yeah, so Ryan's sort of paying them back for that friendship, the kind of networking in there, making things happen. They get the little... Air 5 between Jim and Pam at the desk. Yeah, what a good guy. Um, and unfortunately, though, I mean, it seems that he has ulterior motives. So it plays on the infinity thing without being obvious, yeah, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd love to do, like, a color version, just bring a little color. I like it a lot. It's clear and subtle at the same time. It's really good. You have a real talent for this stuff. Do you want to go out to dinner tonight? Oh, um... I just... I'm sorry. I just wanted to have dinner. I'm dating Jim. You're kidding. We're together. That's great. I. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, great. I guess he can't get any girl he wants. Zing there from Jim Halpert at the end. Uh, I love how Ryan does a little perp walk, like past the camera with the notebook over <laughs> his face. <laughs> After he gets shot down, and you know, I got a. There's one thing I kind of want to talk about because a lot of people have mentioned this and brought this up, like. Why on earth would all of a sudden Ryan be hitting on Pam? All through the three seasons, he never hit on Pam once, never had any interest in Pam. Aside from the fact that now that he's living in this hot New York lifestyle, like what what does he think he's going to get out of this? But I have a theory. You it, have a theory. Let's hear the theory. It could be it could be that he's just he's there for a day and he wants to be an ass and thinks he's hot and and whatever. That could be a theory, I guess. But my theory is this that this whole thing of Ryan is, being this big shot in New York, I think it's just an act that really he's just like sad and pathetic and has like no friends and uh has nothing going on and doesn't really know what's going on. And so this is something that's maybe a little safe or uh, safe for him. He's reaching out to her because he has no no social life maybe in New York. So I don't know. That's my my little take on it, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable theory. I mean, he, you know, he, he thinks he's back down in the minor leagues and he can uh, hit a grand slam with an easy swing. And, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, he didn't know what was going on between Jim and Pam. And, uh, boy, Jim, boy, what a, what a great little talking head. That was just classic yeah, that was stuff there for the fans, wasn't it? Definitely an in-your-face thing there for uh, for Ryan the asshole this whole episode. But the other thing, though, in there is, is like you said, Ryan's so disbelieving, like, oh, you got to be kidding me or whatever. Uh, if you think about it, though, like, Ryan has gone after every girl that Jim has dumped or been with in the last three seasons. I think he asked, didn't he ask him to try and go out, go out and see, um, what the hell was, was his it, name? Didn't he try to go the with purse Katie? girl? Yeah, Katie. Yeah. He yeah. wanted to go out with her, and then he tried to send an email to Karen. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then got shot down, and then he tries to ask Pam out, and same thing. So definitely he uh, living in Jim's shadow. So that's why I'm thinking, I'm wondering, you know, if Karen is going to somehow hook up with him after all. I will predict that Karen will be Ryan State in a future episode. So all right, well, put myself on the line there. <laughs> let's uh, Let's see how that plays out. All right, well, so far, just like last week, there's uh, as of Sunday night, there's been two deleted scenes posted for the show. And, uh, again, both of them pretty good scenes, and I would have liked to have seen them in the episode. I'm not sure what I would have wanted cut, but um, there you go. Yes, my old friend Ryan Howard is coming back today for some big presentation. Very, very excited. He is my protege. He is someone that I hand-raised, that I nurtured, um, he is like a prime cut of veal whom I nourished with my milk. And now he is also my boss. So win-win. Um. Oh, okay. Okay, I'll just... <sighs> well, our old friend Ryan Howard is back. And we are going to give a little presentation about the future of our company. So please listen up. What? Have a seat with everybody else. Do you want me to help? You don't know what I'm going to talk about. Actually, can you do me a favor? Yes. Can you get me a cold water? I got it. That's right, Pam. Michael's got it. Um, yes, I'll be right back. Thank you. That was slightly harsh, I think. I spent three years driving around getting him yams and magic wands. He can get me water. I think I know what's going on. Ryan believes that there is some sort of special boss water that he gets to drink now. And there isn't. But, um, don't tell him. Don't tell him that. I don't want to jeopardize our friendship. Ryan is causing some problems, and you were always good at handling him. What should I do to control him? Well, he's super ticklish. I don't know if that I helps. I know, I know. No. What? Something else. Oh, he's also super insecure about his height, uh-huh. and he doesn't care about anybody but himself. Good. And don't have sex with him, because if you do, the next two years of your life will be a total waste of time. My generation is all about hard work and accomplishment. Like the moon landing, or Vietnam, Rolling Stones, greatest band ever. You're 43. Mick Jagger's like 65. And still rockin', Oscar. One of the greatest all-time oldies was a little Oriental guy named Confucius. He literally invented the ancient Chinese secret. Here are some of his quotes. Confucius say, man who farts in church must sit in his own pew. Confucius say, man with hand in pocket feel cocky all day. Confucius also say, virgin like balloon, one prick, all gone. Did you Google Confucius and just print out the first thing you saw? No, I skipped through all of the boring stuff and went right to his joke page, which proves that he was old, but he was also hilarious. And I agree, man. Confucius is pretty damn hilarious. 
I must admit those are pretty funny. Um, I wish that would have been in the episode somehow. I mean, I, I just watching the deleted scenes, I was laughing probably harder than at uh, any other single joke, I think, that was in the actual aired episode. You know, a couple of things in that clip there. If you, uh, There's a point where... Uh, when they're going into the conference room for the first time and Michael walks in and, and they show that sign that says, welcome back, Ryan. And uh, you see Kelly sitting there and it pans up and it says, like, welcome back. And it's crossed out, it says, welcome back, asshole. Um, <laughs> I don't know how they thought that was going to get past standards and practice and maybe that was just in there for deleted scene purposes. But uh, Michael rips it down. You can hear the noise. And what do you think about that there, the... <laughs> Michael can get me my water. I thought that that was great with Ryan, and I, th- I thought it was good that he was very open about why he was doing it and saying that, that he had to do all the stupid, ridiculous stuff, and he can get me a water. I don't know. I, 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 as much as I think he's been kind of a jerk, I don't begrudge him a little bit of a uh, executive perk, and that's a good <laughs> instance of where right. I think it's warranted. A little bit of revenge there, definitely. He does deserve perhaps some of that, but uh, still, as Jim said, that was, that was pretty harsh. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fact. Oh, and this is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? Yeah. Oh, the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't uh, want to get it? You put it in the garbage can that was a special filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. All right, well, better late than never. Uh, apparently, Universal has decided to move the George Clooney, John Krasinski film Leatherheads from a cozy December pre-Oscar slot all the way back to April 4th, 2008. Why? Well, according to the industry trades, Clooney is simply too busy right now to properly promote the film, and a recent motorcycle accident hasn't helped any. Guess we'll have to wait till 2008 to see John in an actually decent film there, Kevin. Yeah, I was looking forward to this movie and kind of disappointed in a way to see it uh, out of that Oscar slot. But I think uh, I think part of the reason they're delaying this, too, is that Clooney's getting a lot of Oscar buzz for that Michael Clayton movie. Mm-hmm. And that, I'm sure, is going to impact his ability to you know, work on this film as a, because he's the director too. So, right. um, that's probably, and I don't think that everyone's thinking this is like Oscar bait, you know, the old <laughs> early football film. Yeah, so probably I think not. that's part of it. Uh, looks interesting. I mean, God, it seems like we've been covering this movie for like a year. So I, I'm ready to, to see it. Um, I mean, so far the office cast hasn't really been in a whole lot of great film. All right. This next story, we can go back and forth on this a little bit if you want to. Um, after the season premiere, there was a live blog event with Greg Daniels and one of the other writers, Dave Rogers, on the NBC.com website, and I cherry-picked a few things out of here that I thought were worthwhile. So um, you want to start off with that first one there? Yeah, there's some good news here. Stephen Merchant will be directing an episode in a few months. Uh, they say that they're very excited to spend the week with him. He's extremely funny and even taller man. And also starting Monday, Jason Reitman, who directed Thank You for Smoking, uh, co-starring Melora Hardin, uh, starts directing an episode called Local Ad, where Gender Mifflin makes an ad and Michael gets very excited and hijacks the production. So again, I guess they're continuing on with the famous directors and then Stephen Merchant there, of course, the other half of the Ricky Gervais uh, office team that made the original UK show. On the two endings, you remember? I don't know if you remember this from back last season, but we were speculating that supposedly there was two endings uh, to the job, 
and uh, people were wondering, you know, what they would have been. Were they related to Karen coming back or not? Uh, Greg Daniels spills the beans and says, one had Pam leaving, and we hear that her talking head about being okay as she's packing up for the day and riding in the elevator. When the doors open up, Jim is there and surprises her. He says, but it didn't, just didn't work out, didn't have the same oomph that the bursting into the interview had. And Jenna's look at the end just says it all. So there you go, the mystery of the two endings revealed. Yeah, it's pretty easy to see why they went with the ending they did. I can't imagine the opening elevators could have potentially yeah. had the impact that that... A little more cliche. I mean, that's a TV, it's a TV classic, the way Jim comes in there, but in any case. Uh, this was an interesting little tidbit. They talked about Ryan's promotion, and someone asked why Ryan could be promoted above Michael when he's never made a sale. And the answer is, he has an NBA. Look around you. Life's not fair in many ways. And I think uh, that lack of experience is going to come back. i, I got to hope to burn him somehow. He is a wonder kid, but uh, we'll have to <laughs> see how it goes, right? All right. And, and then somebody asked about the iTunes controversy, and Greg Daniels said, I would like the show to be on iTunes. There's still a potential that this will happen. I would like to tell people that Unbox the suitable replacement. I would like to tell you that. Uh, if you want some laughs, Google Amazon Unbox Reviews. So apparently he's not a big fan. And he, the last thing he said was, please make watching the show on air more of a priority in your lives. That's all I can say. So I wonder if they're feeling any more heat from this new time slot or what. Well, certainly uh, it's a much more competitive time slot at 9 o'clock. And uh, I can imagine that that's part of what they're trying to do is encourage people to watch. Although... You know, i got to think that NBC is get, collecting a lot of data about how many times people are re-watching on the website, and uh, they got another one out of me this week, so we'll, <laughs> well have to see how that goes. You know, I'll tell you, I agree with Greg Daniels that, you know, it, it is not a suitable replacement for iTunes, and I'd be happy to be paying $2 an episode rather than watch on the web where I can't go to any point in the middle and skip the commercials and all that stuff. Yeah, I agree. Uh, hopefully, maybe they can work something out, but it doesn't really look like it. I mean, just this last week, they... NBC Universal also yanked House off iTunes, another show that they produce, and I don't know. I mean, stranger things have happened, I guess, but uh, we'll have to see. All right. Um, Dunder Mifflin Infinity. Now, guys, if you're playing along with us in the Twist Branch there in Schaumburg, uh, I just want to let you know that the second task has been assigned, uh, which is to create your own vision of Young Creed. They gave you, it was like a paper doll sort of thing, and, and you had to dress them up in different outfits and paint beards and hair on them and stuff. The deadline for this was, uh, it's supposed to be midnight on Monday, October 8th, but it might be pushed back like the first task was. Speaking of which, there still hasn't been any information given on the voting for the branch logos, so I guess keep checking the DunderMifflinInfinity.com for more information. Um, if you'd still like to join the That's What She Said Schaumburg branch, feel free to do so. Be warned, though, that we have around 950 members right now. Um, I mean, there's really no disadvantage to that as far as I can tell, but if you'd like to play but you want to be in a smaller branch, then go ahead and sign up for uh, any of the other many numerous branches. And a couple other things I want to tell anybody that's playing out there. I found a few hints uh, online as far as earning shroot bucks. Now, you could... Uh, you got 50 shroot bucks for doing the logo contest. You got another 50 shroot bucks for doing the Creed thing. Apparently, the Season 3 DVD came with a code to type in to give you another 100 shroot bucks for free. And I just found this out, and I think this is kind of lame, but if you change your office favorites 
like if you change your favorite episode or change your favorite character, every single time you change one of those things, they give you five shrewd bucks. So right. you, you can sit there and change it uh, back and forth. I think it, there's a cap, I think, of 100 shrewd bucks that you can get that way. But but still, um, you need 1300 for that first promotion up to the warehouse worker up from temp. Personally, I'm kind of pissed off that they, that they tied in the shrewd bucks to the promotions and to buying stuff for your desk because yeah. really if you buy anything for your desk you're never going to get promoted that's ex- i just realized that shoot right because I, I decked out my desk i had all kinds of cool stuff in there well see and that's the thing i mean they you you, you have a cool desk and i have a bare bones empty desk with nothing in it because I'm on that promotion track, so I guess I'll come down and, and uh, borrow your pencil or something from you. But, yeah, I mean, you buy, like, a computer, uh, a chair, and a phone, and that's, like, a thousand shoe bucks right there. Now, with regards to the logo, who votes on the logo for our branch office? Well, this is the thing, Shouldn't like... be the people in the branch? Yeah, it is. And this is the thing that's that's kind of goofy about it is I guess they're still trying to figure out how to do it or something. I don't know. Theoretically, what's supposed to happen is that our branch will see all of the logos that were submitted. And so our branch then has to vote on which logo we think is best. Um, That person, whoever wins, will get like 200 shoot bucks or something. Um, The next level then is that supposedly they're going to have all the branch logos be voted on. Like out of everyone playing the game, who has the absolute best logo? And that person, whoever wins, is going to win more shoot bucks and some kind of autographed piece of swag from the office set i believe they said it was like a a piece of apparel that was won during the fun run episode so uh i don't think that the branch with the most uh, employees will win that contest no i don't know about that one i don't know how they're going to do that one because they have to probably do that on like some kind of a percentage or something i guess because then yeah if you have two thousand apparently like these uh other branches like i heard somebody said the penny arcade gaming comic website branch has like 2,500 members or something in their branch. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, but yeah, if, 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 if that's the case, then definitely, I mean, your, your branch would control whoever wins, I guess. You would think. And, um, remember that, uh, you can also buy that's what she said, mugs and t-shirts at the cafe press store at www.cafepress.com slash T W S S podcast. Yeah. How about a convention update? Sure. Uh, I know uh, we're looking forward to the convention, the office convention. Greg Daniels has confirmed that he and his writing staff will be attending the office convention later this month. According to the organizers of the event, Daniels and the writers are scheduled to appear in a writer's block panel discussion on April, uh, sorry, October 28th. Tickets are still seem to be available at all of those levels. If you want to go for the cheapo or all the way up to the $250 all-access pass. Right. Now, but, I, uh, you know, this convention is really starting to come together. And, I mean, short of the, the A-listers, you've got pretty much everybody there now. Right. So uh, it definitely could be money well spent if you're able to make it out to Scranton, PA. Right. And uh, I, I, I guess I'll throw this out there, Kevin. I, I was contacted by the organizers of the event uh, in regards to press credentials to get into the convention. Um, I have to submit some information. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to travel out there or not. But uh, I'm going to see. I'm going to see if I can get out there and maybe meet some of our That's She Said listeners in person and hopefully get some good audio from the uh, panel discussions there. you got to do it, Matt. We all want to hear it. <laughs> all right, we'll see. All right, cast appearances. Now, this is uh, in a couple of weeks, but 
Steve Carell is set to appear with David Letterman on Thursday, October 18th. I assume that's to pimp Dan in real life. Would seem to make sense. All right. uh, some notes from Angela Kinsey's MySpace blog. Apparently, the garbage of the cat was a handful to work with. During one take, the cat crawled on top of Rain Wilson's head and sat there while they finished out the scene. Uh, also, a special episode of TLC's Take Home Handyman aired, aired this past weekend, which featured the handyman helping Angela Kinsey remodel her new home. Laura Hardin and Mindy Kelling also made appearances. Check TLC's website to see if and when this will air again. And I tried to find out whether it would air again. It's actually a, a two-part episode. I'm, I'm not familiar with the show, but it's a half-hour-long show, and this is actually a full hour that they spend here with Angela and her husband remodeling their house. All right, next new episode next week, Launch Party. This is going to be on October 11th. The Dunder Mifflin Infinity website is launching, and Michael is excited about going to the big launch party in New York. Angela plans a satellite party for the Scranton branch. Meanwhile, Dwight competes against the website to see who can sell the most paper in one day. Um, again, they're another party there, Kevin. I don't know what to think of that. Well, you know, parties are always fun. And I, 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 again, we see Dwight here trying to redeem himself, so that should be a cause for much hilarity. Yeah, as I said before, a very like John Henry-esque sort of contest there, Dwight, against the computer. Trying to be, right. I can only imagine that Dwight gets totally just an irrevocably uh, buried under the sales of the computer website. There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I gotta erase a lot of stuff. Just you know, if you have any And this was a comment from our last episode. Lynn on the blog page says, There were a couple of interactions with the cameraman that I recall from season three, but nothing as overt as we just saw, of course. Jim made some comments at Phyllis's wedding that seemed to be in response to a prompting question, like the cameraman was tipping him off to what was going on with Pam and Roy. Uh, Mrs. Wallace in cocktails nearly bumped into the cameraman. I think they periodically like to remind us that the camera crew is there and that the characters are somewhat aware of being filmed and sometimes not. Uh, so was anyone else creeped out that Dwight tried to pull the plug on Meredith's monitors? Did he get a little taste of mercy killing after sprinkles? Yikes. Um, yeah, I don't know. All i got to say is the energy that was being used to keep Meredith alive would power a small fan for two days. Two days, people. Uh, Amy wrote, I'm so excited for the return of That's What She Said. I have to say I really enjoy the interaction of the c camera crew this season. I know they haven't really alluded to it much, but it definitely brings an interesting element to the show. Will the camera crew try to tip off anyone, Kevin? In an email surveillance, the camera person tipped off Pam a few times about Duangela. I'm also all for the GM storyline to be background thing only, and I'm so excited that Meredith got more of just a shot of hand sanitizer in this premiere. And there are four deleted scenes up now. Assume five, the one will go up tomorrow. A daily dose of The Office, perhaps? Did they have, did they have that last season, too? I, well, uh, Amy, it looks like uh, we already uh, blew a couple of these things here. But, uh, yeah. you know, I think that in different episodes, they'll have a different number of deleted scenes. And usually have three or four, and sometimes more, but not always. Yeah, and I didn't see four, I, I guess, on the one from last week. I only see three when I go there, so. No, there's, there's four there now. Oh, I must have missed it. I just checked it before. What the hell? All right, well, this is, again, this is posted by Drew on the website. He says, and we're back. Good episode of both your show and their show. 
It's nice to have the new season underway. Like you, I found the religion conversation considerably out of place. I think I missed whatever dialogue they used to connect the car accident to religion, but they moved on from that quickly enough, so no worries. I thought the episode was very funny, and I don't think I've ever laughed so hard at a cold open in my life, and I agree. Very solid start to that episode last week. Uh, these were comments made about this uh, most recent episode, Dunder Mifflin Infinity. This was posted by Mathersize. Who liked this episode? Tell me what you liked, because I don't want to just be negative. It was all about plot, just weird. I thought the conversation between Jim and Pam about the magic being gone was a hat tip to the old fans, critics, and podcast. Oh, well, maybe a reviewing will help me like it more. I wanted Michael to win someone back. That wouldn't have been as unrealistic. Yeah, I think so, we yeah, touched it seems like what we've been talking about, yeah. Right. Um, all right, this is posted by Elizabeth. She said, I like this new Ryan. He's the new Roy, the new sexy beard. Uh, <laughs> I don't really have much to say about that, but I guess that's true. Uh, this was posted by Ian uh, Castleberry, right? Yep, our old co-host. That, that is? All right. Uh, Ryan has already already made a great villain for the show. Easily hateable, totally arrogant, with just the right amount of vulnerability. Bartolacco, many of the thoughts here. The second half of the episode with gift baskets was painful. When that car sank into the water, I was hoping it would take me with it. Ouch. All right, yeah. Um, so far, I don't know. Like I said, I wonder if it's just diminishing returns. You know, these hour-long episodes, it seems like the comments we keep getting are that the end just sort of fizzles in both of these episodes so far. Um, I don't know if that's from trying to stretch one plot over the course of an hour or or what, but, um, you know, some of them are great, some of them are good, some of them are bad. You know, not every episode is always solid gold, at least. All right, this is posted by Amelia on our blog page. It says, I really love this episode. I was rolling when Michael was flipping out over the turtles. I know it was far-fetched, but it was so funny. So many things I liked in this episode. Most of you covered it. I surprised so many people didn't like it. I thought it was way better than Fun Run, and it was one of my favorites. So there you go, math or size, uh, someone who <laughs> really liked the episode there. Well, that's about going to do it for us this week, folks. Join us around this time next week for Episode 30, Launch Party. Please send any comments or constructive compliments to TWSSpodcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at TWSSpodcast.com. If you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes and spread the word in the various The Office-related forums. Every little bit helps. Also, check out Kevin's blog page over at fratpackpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to his podcast there from that page or through iTunes. Music for this episode was provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. And remember, head on over to nbc.com slash the office during the week for more deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, and more. And I think I will give Michael the last word this week. Everyone always wants new things. Everybody likes new inventions, new technology. People will never be replaced by machines. In the end, life and business are about human connections. And computers are about trying to murder you in a lake. And to me, the choice is easy.
was awesome. <laughs> Closing for Roboto.